Court of the Grandchildren, Episode 3. The climate court had been going well for David. Witnesses had attested to his successes. Now David had to appear again, this time for cross-examination. In his first appearances, David had stayed focused and tolerated the pain without his zeth, but his stamina had waned. Could Mr. Marlin's carer please attend to him? Sarah stepped out of the gallery and reached David. The pain's really bad. Give me half a zep. Sarah broke his tablet in two and helped David take one half. Are you all right, Mr. Moreland? I'll, I'll be fine now. Very good. Attorney Five, you may proceed. Mr. Moreland, today I want to explore some of the programs that you oversaw. Let's start with the Zero Transition Program. Can you explain the program to us briefly? The Zero Transition Program licensed companies to move quickly from one form of energy use to another with lower emissions. We provided incentives for them to do so. These were financial incentives, weren't they? Yes, it was the most cost-effective way to achieve the state's emission targets. In the first year of operation, the state paid your previous company, Star Energy, a total of $150 million. Is that correct? Uh, I can't remember the details. I don't remember the exact numbers. How did you develop this plan, a plan that paid so much to your former employer? The, the plan was, was based on my long experience in the in the private sector. It, it was cost effective for the state. It, it was profitable for the private sector. So private sector companies made greater profits from this program? Yes, uh, from my long experience in the private sector. Uh, it allowed companies to stay profitable because of my long experience. Your Honor, I'm concerned that Mr. Moreland is not in appropriate condition to give testimony today. Mr. Moreland, do you need more time? M Mr. Moreland. I'm not sure what my attorney is talking about. I am perfectly able to appear perfectly able. I am here and I will continue. Please proceed, Attorney Five. Mr. Moreland, the records show that of the first 30 licenses, 19 went to Star Energy. What do you have to say to that? I'm not sure about the numbers, but it wouldn't surprise me. They were a, a great company. The important thing, the important thing was to get action, to, to, to get action, no matter what, uh, to get, to get things to happen. That means, that means you turn people to people, you know, to, to people, you know, to, to, to get things to, to, to happen. Uh, that's how it, it worked then, how it works now, how it worked 
uh, then and, and now? Your Honor, I would like to request a break. I think that Mr. Moreland should speak for himself. Mr. Moreland, are you having some difficulty today? D do you wish to take a break? No, of course not. These questions are no problem for me. I have lots of training in getting through these kinds of inquiries without revealing anything. Mr. Moreland, are you trying to evade? No, 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 please ask more, ask more. Go ahead, Attorney Five. Mr. Moreland, can I summarize what I believe you have told us so far today? According to you, awarding many licenses and paying large amounts of taxpayer money to a company you previously worked for was justified as you had a long history with them and they were a great company. And this occurred under your control or supervision. Objection. This is clearly leading. No, no, it's, it's, it's quite all right. He, he repeated what I said very well. A great company. I decided. Speed was of the essence. We needed action. Action. I delivered action. Mr. Moreland. I would like to turn to the matter of the New Bern disaster. The city of New Bern was- There was no wrongdoing. There was no wrongdoing. Please let the attorney complete his question. The city of New Bern was destroyed by the great ice sheet collapse. The department that you ran, Mr. Moreland, had a program to reinforce the sea defenses of the city. Is it not true that it was you who decided- There that was no wrongdoing. That's what the Board of Inquiry found. We followed all the procedures. That's, that's what the Inquiry found. That's what the Inquiry found. That's, that's what the Inquiry found. I, I can see that Mr. Moreland's condition is deteriorating and I am not prepared to continue. We will adjourn for today. Sarah quickly wheeled David to the court's sickbay, where she examined David more closely. She gave him the other half of his Zep tablet. Not long after, Matteo joined them. What a terrible session for you, Mr. Moreland. What do you mean? It was going well? I, I had a headache, that's all. You think it went well? Uh, there was a lot more, uh, let's call it repetition than I've heard from you before. That's for emphasis. Communication 101. Didn't they teach you that anymore? But at one point you said that you were trained not to reveal anything in inquiries. I never said that. But you did. Don't call me a liar. The hearing would have been much better if you hadn't interrupted so much. Sarah, what's going on? You. Interrupted three times. Meanwhile, in Lily's office at the Department of Resettlements, Lily was seated at her desk opposite a refugee client. Sorry to have kept you. It's been one of those days. Uh, now, Mr. Dockery, I see that from the department file that you're originally from New Bern. Uh, yes, ma'am, that's right, from New Bern. 
Lily studied her screen more carefully, then turned to her client. I'm sorry about your parents. Yeah, thanks. It, it, it was real hard. Uh, let's see if we can help. You're currently living at... Uh, the Fort Mill camp, ma'am. That's where I'm at. Fort Mill is one of the new camps. How do you find it? I mean, I keep to myself mostly. I, I kind of have to. The, the staff and the supervisors, will they're all controlled by the gangs, you know. It's a real bad situation. You got to have something else. I'll do anything at this point. I got to get out. Uh, yeah, your background is in construction, right? Uh, yes, ma'am. So you'd be willing to do outdoor work? Sure. Then I've got an opportunity for you. Uh, you get free housing on this property that gets you out of the camp and you're guaranteed mm -hmm. the minimum wage uh, that avoids the exploitation that's going on. Uh, what do you say? Yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> this is fruit picking season. The orchards need fruit pickers. H human fruit pickers, that's, that's robot work. Not for the premium fruit. The rich in Beijing are paying 200 bucks for a single North Carolina peach. Yeah, but isn't that kind of demeaning? Like human fruit pickers. Well, sure, there's a stigma, and, and most people aren't used to doing the physical work, but you are. You got nothing else? Not this immediate. All right, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Great. Uh, let me just complete this application. Uh, done. So, Mr. Dockery, I've set up an interview for you. It'll come through on your AI. Uh, you'll have plenty of time for the interview and to get back to Fort Mill before curfew. Wait, before curfew? I had a Blue Caps meeting this afternoon. Hopefully the interview will be worth it. We were planning another, it was a meeting to plan another demonstration against that Burner Moreland. You must have seen the stream. You know, Newburn was his fault. He ruined Newburn? Dockery stood and towered over Lily. He should be in jail. He killed my parents. Mateo waited at his favorite bar. When Lily entered the bar, she was quick to spot him. She joined Mateo at his table. <sighs> Sorry I'm late. <laughs> what a day. You sound more stressed than me. Drink? Uh, Desal. Uh, Maya, order another desal for Lily. You okay? My last client, he really shook me up. Tell me. He blamed David for destroying Newburn. Oh yeah, that came up today. What do you mean? There's something to it? Well, the other attorney's going after David over Newburn. What's David got to do with Newburn? I have to check the inquiry report. I, I knew Newburn was coming, but not what happened today in court. Oh, did you hear about it? I was at work. David was terrible. He, he pretty much admitted to corruption. That's not true, is it? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I couldn't get him to talk straight. His medications were out of balance. Shot up his adrenaline levels when he got stressed. It, it sent him all weird. <laughs> what the hell's going on? Is it my fault? I forced him into it. It's not your fault. It's David's stubbornness. You're right. You're right. He wants to keep going. That's why I wanted to catch up. I've sorted out a few things that will help. The judge has agreed to provide a high-definition hollow view for David so he won't have to come to court, except for the closing statement. That's a good idea. And there's one other thing from you. 
Can you be at David's place when he's appearing in court remotely? I've got work. I've already used up my leave and I'm miles behind. The climate refugees haven't stopped coming, you know. It's only a couple of hours. He needs moral support. Sarah doesn't provide that anymore. You can keep an eye on his drugs, on his state of mind. Hold on. Look, you'll make a difference. It'll help him. You know, we're lucky to have you. Oh, I'm just doing my job. You're doing more than that. You care. I haven't seen that in many men. A server approached their table. Desalinated water for you, ma'am. It's a beautiful summer evening, isn't it? Mateo waved the server away. Thank you. That was rude. Well, it was only an android. That's how it starts. The lines get blurred. Before you know it, you're treating humans like androids. I'll have to watch that. That's why personal sex bots should be banned. Sex bots have been terrible for women. Women can have sex bots. That's not the point. Men treat their sex bots like shit, and they still get sex on demand. No guilt and uncritical devotion. How can women compete with that? I... I don't know. No wonder there's a shortage of genuine guys. That's a myth. The majority of men don't have sex bots. That might be, but pretty much every guy I've gone out with has been reliant on their AI. How so? They can't put two thoughts together on their own. They depend on their AIs too much. They're too shallow. You're different. Well, I... Mateo took out his inhaler. Are you in a relationship? Mateo tugged at his Sherpa, his AI earring. Maya reminds me there's a thing called client conflict. Mateo had arranged a hollow view chair for David's apartment so that he could appear in court remotely. Lily had reluctantly agreed to be with David during his first remote session. Mr. Moreland, we can see and hear you. Can you see us? Yes, I can. Excellent. Attorney Burnell, you may proceed with the witness. Thank you, Your Honor. Dr. Gutierrez, where do you currently work and what is your role? I'm in charge of the climate modeling and research team at the National Climate and Weather Office. Can you please tell us what sort of work your team does? We run the Blaze family of climate models on the most powerful computers in the U.S. outside the military. They model the Earth's atmosphere, land, ice, and oceans in real time. How accurate are your models? Extremely accurate. A good example is the model's predictions from around five years ago. They've proven to be accurate within a few percent. Now, how do your models compare with the models that were used more than 30 years ago when Mr. Moreland was formulating policy in the department and relying on the models of the day? Those models were extremely primitive. For example, they were not able to model the behavior of the major ice sheets in Antarctica and Greenland like we can today. So it would be fair to say that the department at the time was working with a high level of uncertainty in regards to climate model predictions. It would be fair. How do you think you would have found working with those models? They were the best models available at the time, but it's hard to imagine working in such a conflicted environment where the results of good work were constantly criticized, but that's not our position today. We have a much more accurate view of the future. Thank you. That is all from me for now, Your Honor. 
Thirty-five. Dr. Gutierrez, I understand that you have carried out some backmodeling work. Can you please explain what that term means? Certainly. Backmodeling refers to running a model from a distant historic point rather than from the present. In effect, we do a kind of time travel experiment to see what might have happened. I understand you have modeled the Earth's climate based on different outcomes from the Helsinki Accord. Yes, we did. Please summarize for the hearing the backmodeled outcome if Mr. Moreland's target had actually been achieved at the Helsinki Accord. If the initiatives related to a two degree target had been adopted at Helsinki, we found that the tipping points for the great ice sheet collapse would have been avoided. So, Dr. Gutierrez, we know that the Great Ice Sheet Collapse destroyed the city of New Bern and many others. Your modeling shows that the destruction, the deaths, and the millions of climate refugees would have been prevented had the original two-degree target been achieved at Helsinki. Is that right? Well, yes, obviously. That is all from me. Attorney Bernal, do you have anything further? Dr. Gutierrez, could you please tell us about all previous attempts to reach an agreement on carbon emissions prior to the Helsinki Accord in terms of keeping commitments. It's a well understood historical fact that no previous agreements had ever been kept. The Helsinki Accord was the first to reach an agreement that led to binding actions that were actually achieved. Thank you, Dr. Gutierrez. That is all. Thank you, Dr. Gutierrez. We, you may step down and we will adjourn for 10 minutes before we hear from Mr. Moreland. David's hollow view chair was disconnected from the court. That didn't go well. That's all crap. It sounded very credible to me. You can't trust models. That might've been true once, but not now. You don't understand how. Sarah, please check that David's okay. Sarah checked David's vital signs while Lily stood and stretched. Lily's attention was drawn to an old-fashioned photo on the mantel. She picked up the photo, examined it for a while, and then studied the back. Who's Stephanie? What? Lily showed David the back of the photo. David peered and squinted, trying to make out the words. It says, for Stephanie. It's my daughter. There's a ring stuck on the back here. That was meant for her. What happened to her? My wife took her away. David's hollow view chair reconnected with the court. You can see that Mr. Moreland is in his hollow view chair. Are you ready, Mr. Moreland? Yes, Your Honor. Please proceed, Attorney Five. Mr. Moreland, I understand that you saw and heard the testimony of Dr. Gutierrez this morning. Is that right? It's all hypothetical. You don't believe the results. What ifs from the past are not relevant? We should be looking forward. No problems are solved without forward-looking action. That's exactly what these hearings are trying to do, to clear a path for the future. I hope you understand that. Attorney, please do not lecture the witness. If anyone's gonna be doing that, it'll be me. My apologies. Mr. Moreland, you heard of the consequences of adopting the 2.5 degree agreement at the Helsinki Accord. Do you feel any responsibility for these consequences? Why should I? 
It would have been worse if we had tried to get to two degrees. We would not have had the broad binding agreements that we achieved. I was at the negotiating table. You were not. Then let me ask you, how would your approach have been different if you had the accurate projections that Dr. Gutierrez has presented to us today? That kind of hypothetical speculation is best left to intellectuals like historians and attorneys. I would like to move on and discuss your role leading up to the New Bern disaster. At the time, you were in charge of the department responsible for climate change adaptation. Is that right? There was no wrongdoing. The New Bern Disaster Board of Inquiry found that the department's approach to funding and prioritizing adaptation projects like seawalls was inadequate. It did not find anyone at fault. It was one of those freak events. And then you review systems, you always find room for improvement. The New Bern Disaster Board of Inquiry report found that you personally had not much interest in adaptation projects. There were many examples where such projects were moved lower in spending programs. Is that correct? Our focus was on stabilizing the climate. We knew there would be impacts in any case, but adaption had to be a lower priority. To be clear, and to use language you might understand, we were seeking a cure, not to treat the symptoms. Mr. Moreland, when people are sick, we usually treat their symptoms. We don't just wait for a cure. You're taking my words out of context. We heard from an earlier witness, Miss Sophia Jean, that you believed that it was going to be very difficult to stop the inertia of the climate change boulder. It had started rolling down the hill and was very hard to stop. Is that right? Yes. Then why did you not prepare the New Bern community for its effects through the seawall strengthening program? We needed to focus on reducing emissions. The Board of Inquiry report found that you personally downgraded the priority of the proposed New Bern seawall raising project many years before the disaster. Do you have any comment on that finding? In public life, you you have to make decisions on priorities all the time. So you did make the decision to defer the New Bern seawall raising project. It was about prioritization. Mr. Moreland, do you accept any personal responsibility for the New Bern disaster? Do you accept any personal responsibility for the New Bern disaster? Do you you're, accept? You're asking if I caused the tragedy. The answer is no. That is all, Your Honor. We will adjourn for today. After the court transmission was disconnected, David took his ZEP tablet. It might have been better if you accepted some responsibility for Newburn. The inquiry found no one at fault. Didn't sound that way. Don't you start. You weren't there. Sure. It's hard for me to imagine how traumatic it must have been. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember grandma telling me about her high school friend who died at Newburn. Did you know anyone who died? 
Unfortunately, yes. Who? There's no point. Why won't you tell me? Sarah, who did David know at Newburn? Don't! David's daughter, Stephanie, and grandchildren, Michael and Olivia. They all died in the Newburn disaster. Why didn't you tell me? There's no point. I'm so sorry, David. We need to move on. No, David, no one can take away your memories of Stephanie, no matter what. Tell me about the photo. Tell me about her. It was her birthday party. She loved being the center of attention. David put the photo on his lap and acted out the movements. I, I had her on my shoulders. My hands held each of her feet, keeping her steady. We were singing together. She held her hands high up above her head as she balanced. Oh, she was fearless. She sounds wonderful. Stephanie was a revelation for me and Jenny. You know, married life with Jenny started out great. Jenny had a special way of appreciating every little thing. She, she showed me a new way of looking at the world. And, and, and when Stephanie came along, it was a joy, but it was the beginning of the end for Jenny and me. My mind was always on the next big deal. Jenny complained about the burden of home duties. She had a point. Instead of acknowledging her feelings, I taunted her. No wonder we spiraled out of control. And those screaming fights, really, really, it was only a slap. It was just a slap. She left me. The divorce court blocked any contact with Stephanie. Then Newburn. That night, David was alone in his apartment. His mind was ticking over and over and over. Finally, his thoughts spilled out into words. The governor agreed. He agreed. He agreed with my seawall decision. And the inquiry panel, they said it wasn't my fault. David's expression blanked over and he leaned back into his chair. I made the decision. I did. And people died. And some of those people were the family I pushed away. And now my penance is that beautiful picture of Stephanie gets mixed up with images of hands waving in panic as people sink into the floodwaters. I destroyed my own family. Stop thinking about family. 
Think about something else. The court. Oh, screw the court. Everybody believes the, the AI, the modelers. They don't believe me. My reputation's ruined. No one understands what it was like. How can they? The world has moved on. I've been left behind. Maybe they're right. Maybe I did go for a softer target to look like a hero. Maybe I am to blame for the dead at Newburn, for Stephanie. Jesus, I failed at everything. Now, I have to bow and, and scrape and bleed for what? To qualify for my right to die? Ha! The blade of the knife glinted in the light. David reached out and picked it up. He gripped the knife firmly and prodded out in front of himself, as if pushing back against an invisible enemy. And those protesters think their threats matter to me. They think they scare me. They know nothing. I'll teach them. Suddenly, he slashed the knife across his wrist. I hope you're enjoying the Magnetic Theater's production of Court of the Grandchildren. If you like what we've heard, please review us on your favorite podcast app. And please spread the word. This adaptation of Court of the Grandchildren was written by Michael Montezov and directed by Jason Williams, based on the novel by Michael Montezov and Greg Finlayson. Music by Shane Ivers at silvermansound.com. The cast members were Stan Baranowski as David Moreland, Kirby Gibson as Lily, Sheila Collins as Sarah, Scott Fisher as Mateo, Zach Hamrick as Attorney 5 and Server 2, Natasha Charles as the judge, Gabby Bailey as Dr. Gutierrez and Server 1, Tom Griffin as the mugger and Rhett Dockery, Aaron Ybarra as the young man, station announcer, police drone, diner, and protester, Sonia Dandrea as the young woman, Maya, and Server 3, and Daniel Massacott as the narrator. I'm Katie Jones, Artistic Director at the Magnetic Theater. Thanks for listening. <laughs>